I can't single-handedly destroy my chances of having, <laughs> you know, living living a whole life by this one decision that I could make if I buy this house or that house. For those decisions that maybe it is like, oh, there's this house or this house. Either one could mm-hmm. be great. Yeah. And whatever house you buy, love your neighbors and practice hospitality. Like yeah. it yeah. still applies. What job you take, who you marry, all these things. Yeah, those are obviously big, important decisions. But the practical application of how we live our daily lives, it doesn't change. What is God's will? Just read Romans 12. You are listening to If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like following Jesus. My name's Tim, and I am in Family Life's radio department. My name is Lydia, and I work in the front office. My name is Mike, and I work in the performing arts and events departments. I love it. There's so many different kind of things (laughs) that happen at Family Life. Like, it's uh, It's how many places have those different kinds of departments? Yeah, we've got a kitchen, too. So that's fun. (laughs) We do love the kitchen. We do. Oh, so many good things come out of that kitchen. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Unfortunately, you can't get that digitally, but we're glad you're here with us um, on a podcast. And yeah, it's fine for this to be your first episode of If That Makes Sense. Wherever you jump in is great. Even though we're talking about Romans 12, uh, we'd love it if you listen to all the other episodes, but we're going to have a good conversation in this one too. So let's just jump right into Romans chapter 12 and see what God's word has for us today. I'll start. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. There is more than we can really (laughs) hope to get into (laughs) in a 30-ish minute podcast. Uh, there's you could you could do a whole podcast series on like basically any one of these mm-hmm. chapters. There's just so much richness to it. But what's I'm thinking about first of all is it kind of feels like marching orders for the Christian this chapter. Like all up to this point Paul's been giving us like this kind of big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of it really heavy and kind of head scratchy kind of stuff. <laughs> but now we're like saying and now what? Well now what? Live like Christians. Mm -hmm. And this is what it looks to live like a believer. And of the many different uh, phrases and imagery that Paul uses that are super helpful here, I think one that he starts out with, like right out the gate, is this idea of a living sacrifice. Could we like just bounce that around for a bit? Like thoughts on living sacrifice? (laughs) I, I love it because... I think oftentimes we read the Old Testament and then we look at the New Testament and think there are a lot of things that used to have to happen in the Old Testament, but now Jesus is here, so we don't need to do them anymore. And it's interesting to me that the sacrifice doesn't really go away. It Mm. just changes. In the Old Testament, there were all of these animal sacrifices and um, certain different sacrifices for each thing. If you did this thing, then this type of sacrifice was needed. If you did this thing, then you had to do this one. And 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 the New Testament doesn't get rid of sacrifice. It just changes. It's not the the animal or the grain or the olive oil. The sacrifice is me. Hmm. And it's not just part of me. It's all of me. My life is is needing to be used entirely as a sacrifice to Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And that that's your true and proper form of worship. Hmm. Like that's how we worship God is by giving our, like just that's, I think the act of surrender um, is really powerful. And that's, you know, that's, that's the way that we can most be pleasing to God in our worship. And I think that's really cool too, because in the Old Testament sacrifices too, it was like, it had to be it had to be like the perfect lamb or the, mm. you know, the spotless lamb or the, you know, the best of the grain or the best of the oil or whatever it was. And how, you know, that that was a pleasing, pleasing sacrifice to God. And in the same way, when we offer ourselves just as like holy and fully to the Lord, like that's our proper and a beautiful way to worship him. Yes. God's always been after the heart mm-hmm. in worship. Yeah. Always. Even in the Old Testament, it was about the heart. It was easier to make it look like you checked the box without it being about your heart when you could present the animal, the sacrifice at the temple, and then maybe you feel like, okay, I can go and live the rest of my life now. Mm -hmm. But no, God's saying, and he does say explicitly in parts in the Old Testament, things along the lines of, it's your heart that I want. The sacrifice is how you show it. Now, of course... Today, we can still fake it. We can still lay down our (laughs) offer of worship, right? Like we can still say, this is my sacrifice of worship. And you can raise your hands and you can do those things. You can go through the motions, as we say. And yeah, so maybe in some cases, actually, maybe it's even easier to compartmentalize the act instead of it being real worship today. Because, well, we all know how to act. We Mm -hmm. all know the right words to say and the way it looks. But God's always been after the heart. And now we see... Through what Paul is saying here, that 
that's not just a part of our lives. That's not just a day of our lives. That's not just what we do when we're in the club together mm -hmm. with the other club members, the other Christians, mm -hmm. you know, when we get together that one time a week for that one hour, that's not where worship ends. It's like your life. It's the whole thing. Something that you made me think of, Tim, when you were you were sharing that there, there are places in the Old Testament where um, the Israelites aren't following what God's God God has for them and their hearts aren't in the right place. And so on a couple of occasions, God says, I don't want your sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I want your obedience. That's yeah. that's more important to me. And 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 that makes me think more of more of the heart issue and how interesting that what Romans 12 is saying is now your obedience is your sacrifice. Mm. The way yes. the way you're obedient, this is what God wants from you to be a sacrifice. This whole thing happens in the context of a community. Mm. Like, I think we can't get past that, that it's, yes, it is about a sincere relationship between you, Lydia, and Jesus. And, and Mike, you've got to accept Jesus for yourself. And every one of us has to make that choice. Absolutely. But this worship, like really living it out, happens in a community. Mm -hmm. Paul just expects mm -hmm. that, that, I mean, he's writing to a church. That's why it's called Romans. He's writing to the church in Rome. A little bit ago, I kind of humorously talked about it being a club that you meet with with other <laughs> club members. But that was something that struck me as I was reading this chapter again was, wow, this group that we call the faith, that we call the family of God, it really, like we do treat it like a club, but it really can't be that. It's so much more than yeah. that. Like it's not a group that we get together to uh, dress the same way, talk the same way, and do the same thing at roughly the same time each week. If that's as far as it goes, we're missing out on what Paul calls the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. how united is it? How powerful of a grouping is it together that he calls it the actual body of Christ? We're one body with many members. Yeah, that's how it works when you're a part of a local church, when you're part of the big C, capital C church across mm -hmm. the world, all the believers. And a big part of how we find our place in that, in the church, is service, is using our gifts. Yeah. Let's, for a second here, talk about spiritual gifts. Um, Paul's not talking about anything controversial, but like, what are some of the thoughts that come to mind when you think about spiritual gifts. I think one of the things that comes to mind is kind of a little bit back to what you were saying, even just with the the club mentality, because yeah. I think for me, I see it more when I know you weren't like promoting the club mentality. But like, to me, it's the difference of that and community. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in a community, you're all pitching in together. There's not like one leader who's like doing all the work and everybody else is just like, oh, well, I'm I'm not the club president. So I just <laughs> sit here. It's like, no, in a community, like it's all hands on deck. Like everybody has um, a purpose. And I'm not going to look at you and be like, oh, well, my job is better than your job or vice versa. Like everybody has to bring to the table their specific gifts to make it function in a way that's healthy. If only two people are using their gifts, like you might have a really great kitchen, but like nobody's serving the food or nobody <laughs> like washed the dishes or nobody decided to, you know, unlock the doors or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like right. you just think about all the practical jobs in like a group um, 
and how important each one is even more so in the church and in the faith because, you know, like all the different things that he says here, preaching, teaching, encouragement, mercy, giving, if if everybody only taught, like that would be so incredibly awkward. Like if you went to church and everybody just stood on the stage and preached, nobody sat in the, nobody sat in the congregation, like it was all preachers. Like you wouldn't get very far right. because – one, you probably would have a lot of people like arguing, talking over each other. But like also, you know, what about the person who shows up and who's just broken mm. and who's hurting or the person who, you know, can't buy their kids food that week? Like, you know, there's there's so many needs when you get a group of people together. And so how cool that there's in a group of people, there's also people who can meet those needs. Um, and so I just think it's really I think that's what I see. Like, I just see everybody bringing something to the table that's different. But. I might bring something to the table that you really need or, you know, and then over here, this person can pour into me. And it's just like this beautiful, organic, (laughs) when it works the way it's supposed to, picture of like a body. And you think about all the different parts of a body and how, like, if part of your ear doesn't work, it can affect your entire life. Like, Hmm. you can either, maybe you get vertigo or maybe you just can't hear. Maybe, you know, all these things. And it's like, you think about the ear being so small, but if it's not working, chaos ensues. And I think that's the part, I mean, I think it applies the same to the church. If you have people who, you know, aren't using their gifts or you have somebody who thinks like, oh, well, my gift is better than yours. So that person's like, well, forget it. I'm I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when everybody can work together, it's such a beautiful picture of how the body of Christ should function. I just, I think one of the most incredible things is seeing somebody walking in their God-given passion and like using their gifts and doing it in such a way that is not, it's not about them. They're just serving the Lord and using their gifts and impacting people around them with their gift because that's like what they were created to do. And I think that's just a beautiful thing. Yes. And you already said this, Lydia, but I'm just, it's striking me. It's everybody doing their part, yeah. not trying to do all of the parts. Mm-hmm. You really kind of just have to ask yourself, I need to, because I wonder sometimes like, where could I, what could I be doing better? Like, well, then Tim, ask yourself this, What's your gift? Mm-hmm. What's your gift? What can you do? Not not necessarily what does somebody do who you respect? No, but what can what can you do? Yeah. What's and, and then also like see if that matches up with an area that you know your local church has a need. Mm-hmm. And well, e- even if it even if it doesn't, maybe they could use an extra hand in that area that you found out, oh yeah, I actually do have a gifting in that area. So I love that. You don't have to do it all. You yeah. just have to do your part. What's your gift? Mm-hmm. And God puts you in the right place. He, he he probably puts you in the church that you're in for a reason. So like, yeah. see how you can be used there. Yeah, this is me raising my hand saying, <laughs> need to do that. <laughs> need, I need to do that. And I think sometimes when you when you think about it and you you know you you pray and you ask the Lord and you look at your own life and you t- kind of take stock and and figure out okay, what is my gift? I think in a lot of ways it takes it takes the pressure off because it's not like, oh, I have to serve and teach and give and all these things. It's like no, I can I can kind of hone in on what God has gifted me to do, not not ever to say like, oh sorry, that's not my thing. I can't do that over there. <laughs> but job. I think it takes the pressure off in some ways because we can't do it all. Like we weren't created to do every you know, live our life to the fullest in every single one of these things that he's given, you know, mm-hmm. all these, all these things that he's listed, you know, I don't, I don't think as Christians we're called to like 100% only teach and 100% serve and 100% mercy and 100% encouragement. Like it's, you find what God has gifted you to do and you do that with all your heart. And I think there's, there's freedom in that in yeah. some ways. 
I was thinking of the word delegation, and mm. I feel like that's something that you see a healthy church do, and that's how you get away from the the stereotype of 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Yeah. And and that's what I'm hearing you guys talking about. Like you don't have to do everything, but finding where that where where God has gifted you and then serving in that capacity. And it made me think of my church and I I love my church. I'm so fortunate to um be be a part of it. And we recently did vacation Bible school and it was so cool because it, it only happens once a year, so it's not it's not the same people that I see Sunday morning when I'm working on this project or working on that project. It was different people, and I it was it was really cool because for me I got to step back and I got to see the church come together in a way that I haven't seen before. Hmm. Um, the it it was a different director this year, and and. You could tell that that she was so passionate about teaching the word of God, and that's what so clearly came across with everything that that we did in VBS. Whether it was the games or the snacks or the crafts or the Bible story, everything everything was centered around that, and that's cool because she's using her gift and her passion, which is teaching and organizing, and and that shone through. And then there were the snacks, where where this other lady just did the snacks and and I say just did the snacks like it's a bad thing it's not when the when the body of Christ is working the way they're supposed to yeah. yes. she focused on the snacks and they were the coolest snacks because each one had a bible story tied <laughs> oh, to it and the kids got to make their own snacks and oh, cool. it was like decorating these cool gingerbread people with icing and there's something bible tied to it I don't remember sounds like it could be spiritual pretty, <laughs> but yeah, it was so cool and then she was telling me that this other couple in our church bought all of these expensive ingredients for the snacks. And, and normally maybe it would just be like little animal crackers or something. And we got to have these cool snacks. And and then at the end of the week, I was in charge of, of making sure everything got cleaned up. And there's this lady who um, had only, she's only been to the church for a month or so. And she came up to me and she says, I'm gonna. I'll vacuum the whole church, and I'll make sure that all the sinks are turned off, and I'm wow. gonna do the garbage at the end of the night. And she was asking me all these questions, and she knows way more about all that stuff than I do. I didn't know where the garbage bags were stored. She was showing me around the kitchen, saying, "Here's these garbage bags for these. Here's paper towels for the towel dispensers. Here's this for this." I thought, "Whoa, that's so cool that that she has only been here for a short amount of time." And she has already found a, a, a way to serve that she she loves and she's passionate and excited about. I just thought that was so cool to see the entire week of VBS. Not a few people doing everything, but a lot of people doing something. And yeah. I think that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. When you have, I mean, maybe not for everybody, but like when you've grown up in the church mm-hmm. and you've seen it not work, like you've been in unhealthy churches or you've mm-hmm. seen like been in experiences where it's like, man, this is, this is not how it should be. Sure. When you see how like when you see it working the way it should be and talk about like the potential of impact when it is working correctly, I think it's just exciting. It's exciting because it's how, this is how God designed the thing to work. It's how he designed the church to work. Mm -hmm. It's a body, it works together. Amazing things happen when it's working the right way. That's God's plan. That's Mm -hmm. his design. Beforehand, we just kind of had this brief miniature discussion about God's will off mic here before we got on this podcast. 
I think that's a pretty interesting place to take what Romans 12 is talking about. Because God's will, if we're looking at God's will in the terms of Romans 12, it's not some misty, foggy thing in the future. It's, well, it's kind of given to us right here. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it how it kind of starts like the chapter, I think it's chapter the end or the end of verse two, um, when it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think there's a lot of times that we make God's will this like, it's hidden. You have to like seek it. Oh, oh, I thought I found it. Oh, I didn't. It was that was not it. I was <laughs> missed oh, it. oh, try again. Like it's it's kind of this this maze that we are trying to figure out. And I love how Paul just kind of like lays it out there of of as Christians what how we can walk in a way that like that's God's will for us to um, you know, hate what is evil and to love sincerely, cling to what is good love one another, honor one another, don't be lacking in zeal, um, be joyful in hope, patient in in affliction, faithful in prayer. Like those are all things that as Christians, that's a pretty like, that's, (laughs) I mean, I know sometimes we're like, I wish God would just give me like a list of things. It's like, (laughs) well, here you go. Here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, uh, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you. I mean, it's not an easy list. I'm not saying it's easy. Um, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Um, don't be conceited. Don't repay evil for evil. Like all these things that are are very like practical, tangible, applicable things that we can look at and say, if I live this way, this is going to lead to good things in my life. Like this is th- these are things that are going to honor God. It's going to help me honor people around me, strangers, enemies friends, like everyone, there's nobody excluded from this list, yeah. um, and how I can live in a way that's honoring to to my own self and my own needs and what God is calling me to do. So I think it's just that really incredible thing that what is God's will? Just read Romans 12 and <laughs> you'll get a pretty good idea of what he asks of us and wants from us as believers. So I like a good practical application. Amen. <laughs> that's such a good reminder. I think sometimes at least me, maybe nobody else, I I can get caught up in all these other questions that the Bible doesn't answer. Should I buy a house? What job should I take? Yeah, that's just you. That's just you, Mike. Nobody Nobody else 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 has questions, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. I knew it was just me. (laughs) I think that's everyone who is living and breathing on the earth today. I I remember back when I was a youngster, a Bible teacher at at a five-day camp I was going to he was talking about how we look at all those big questions. Who should I marry? What, where, where should I go in life? And we think, oh, that's God's will. I have to discover it. Yeah. And he said basically the same thing you just said, Lydia. 95% of God's will for your life is already written down. It's called yeah. the Bible. Mm. He didn't say this, but I think this is what I've surmised from that and from growing up a little bit. When when you're living in alignment with that 95% of God's will as the Bible, then the other things like, what job should I take? What, should I buy a house? All those things, they seem not less important, but they don't seem like that as big of a deal. Mm. Like, this this could make or break me. If I if I buy the wrong house, then then I'm done for. Yeah. And it's like a perspective shift mm-hmm. when when you're following God's will as he wrote down for you in the Bible, then when those other things come, I think there's a sense of peace that comes along with it. And it's not dread. It's not fear that you're going to make the wrong choice and then somehow be outside of God's will. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that I never worry about it. 
but <laughs> I at least know the right answer now. Well, it's good perspective, I think, to have. Like, I can't single-handedly destroy my chances of having, <laughs> you know, living living a whole life by this one decision that I could make if I buy this house or that house. I think in a lot of ways, like you said, God gives you peace for those decisions that maybe it is maybe a choice. Like, oh, there's this house or this house. Either one could mm-hmm. be great. Yeah. And when, whatever house you buy, love your neighbors and practice hospitality. Like yeah. it yeah. still applies. Yes. There's certain things that no matter what, what job you take, who you marry, all these things, like, yeah, those are obviously big, important decisions, but the practical application of how we live our daily lives, that doesn't, it doesn't change. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if I marry this person, I don't have, these, these don't apply or whatever. It's like, <laughs> no, they, they still apply. Like yeah. how, how we live as Christians, because people that, that don't ever get married or people that like, you know, move and become missionaries and don't have, you know, like a house and a car and whatever, like there, these things apply to all of us as Christians. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you are, what stage of life, you know, if you're married, single, kids, grandkids, whoever, like these these truths in scripture apply to all of us. It's such a weight that's lifted off your shoulders mm-hmm. when you realize it, it's not up to me. I, I'm not going to screw it up somehow Yeah. as long as I'm focused on God. Yeah. Yes. We're going to find our best satisfaction in, in him and mm-hmm. doing it his way, mm-hmm. which is, as we've seen, it's being in that church community. And boy, don't we have a much smaller chance of messing up if we aren't trying to go it alone? Yeah. No, it's not going to be perfect. Absolutely not. But it is God's will. And that is the best way to live. Yeah. <laughs> the last verse, that's hard. Overcome evil with Well, good. if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Ooh. Like if anybody's hungry, I'm like, oh, sure, I'll feed them. But it's like he had to put in your enemy, enemy. which I mean, I don't mm. live my life with like a big long list of enemies, <laughs> but like you know, I'm human. There's people that I'm like, mm, that person is hard to love. And like, wow. I mean, way to go, Paul. Just stick that in there right at the end. (laughs) You're just going down this list. Be hospitable. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, also maybe be hospitable to your enemy. Oh, Mm. That's tricky, guys. Mm. It's hard. But again, I think when you are walking with the Lord, it's a lot harder to have enemies Mm -hmm. because the things that irritate me or offend me or frustrate me or, you know, whatever. Um, there's a there's a perspective, and I know we've talked about that a little bit today, just like the perspective that you have when you're walking with the Lord and how your enemies, it shifts because mm. Jesus died for that person, just like he died for me. And, you know, back to our our list before of, you know, don't be conceited and don't don't be proud. And I feel like that those are the things where, you know, in in my own heart, I could say like, oh, well, that person doesn't deserve forgiveness. <laughs> and it's like, well, newsflash, Lydia, you don't really deserve forgiveness either. But Jesus chose to forgive you. And so that's tricky. It's mm. hard. I mean, it shouldn't be tricky or hard, but it is. Yeah. It's not like, oh, should I do it or should I not do it? But that doesn't make it easy to do it, I right. guess, if that makes sense. <laughs> Hey, you said if that makes sense. <laughs> Roll credits. As I said, I was like, wait, that there feels like is. the name of a podcast. There, there it is. is. <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, a family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org slash podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.